Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Uh, today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. You okay? Yeah, all good, thanks. And Raphael Jokobin. How are you doing, Raphael? I'm doing well, Sam. Cheers. How are you? All good, thank you. Uh, only one place to start. Saturday, sort of early evening, we had... Juventus Inter. This was a must-win game for Juventus, and they did manage to win it, three-two in probably the most controversial game of the season. Um, Francesco, I'll come to you first. We had three penalties, two red cards, and a goal disallowed. How many of those decisions from Calvarese do you think were correct? Um, I think the only one that I I'm definitely sure is right, is probably the second inter goal. I think they were right to go to the VAR on that and overturn it because um, it was Chiellini who was fouling Lukaku, not the other way around. With the others, I'm not sure about any of them. Um, I think with the first two, the first penalty uh, for Juve is borderline. I think the penalty for Inter is even less than borderline. I wouldn't have, and there's certainly not clear errors where you need to get the VAR involved. That's what I, that's my argument would be. Um, and with the booking as well, that that uh, the um, what's the, what's the event that's Pura called? He slipped my mind. Bentancur. That Bentancur got with that booking as well. The second um, booking again, that is at best borderline. So I don't really agree with uh, with any of those. Um, and I mean. With the goal that was disallowed, the Lautaro Martinez goal, which is a fantastic goal, um, I think the only thing you can say is that maybe the whistle went before you know he connected with the ball, and there is a chance that um, Chesney and Rabiot had both kind of stopped playing, and they could have at least made an effort to block the, the shot. Um, I think the bigger thing for me is is the is the fact that they were so quick to go to VAR throughout the game so they used it three times in in things that in my opinion were not clear and obvious errors and then at the end of the game uh the second Juventus penalty that was given Calvarese isn't asked to go and look at the VAR and there seems to be no uh, you know clear thought process as to why they've made that decision not to at least go and have another look at that because I would argue that of all the things they did go and have a look at, the, the, the foul, or not non-foul, depending on how you look at it, of Perisic on Cuadrado is something you could argue is a clear error that should at least be looked at. So that would be the thing for me. Why have they not, in that instance, gone to the bar when they've done it throughout the game, you know, a lot? Yeah, it seemed like he just lost control of the game by then. And perhaps the thought process was that there'd been enough VAR and it was time to put that to bed. But that certainly seemed the dodgiest of the penalties, I thought. Uh, what about you, Francesca? Is that the dodgiest one for you of the three? Um, the, you're talking about the, the last the, one? The Quadrado yeah. one, where it, it seemed that he kicked Perisic. Yeah, because I feel like with the other two, there, there's an argument, you know, that the arm from uh, from Damian does go out around Chiellini's waist, and I still don't know if it's enough to give a penalty, but there is some contact there, and there's a deliberate action by Damian to do something. And Delict, even though I don't think Delict stood on um, Martinez's foot on purpose, he did stand on his foot. So there's contact there, and yeah, you can see why that's happened. But with the with the Quadrado one, it really looks if you look at the replays that Quadrado is the one who's making the movement towards Perisic. It actually looks like a foul by Quadrado on, on Perisic. Um, so to me, that looks like the clearest error of those three. And for some reason, they didn't go to the bar and have another look. Um, I think w- what you're saying about how, you know, he, he felt like there'd been too much more at that stage and he just <laughs> kind of wanted to get it over with maybe. It's, it's also, I think there might be in his mind, possibly the fact that he's just gone to VAR to, conv- to validate an Inter goal. He's also sent off Bentecourt and he's thinking, you know, I've, I've helped Inter out a bit here. I've sent someone off and I'm, now I'm not sure that was the right decision. I've just uh, gone and uh, given the goal after I'd originally disallowed it. So maybe he's thinking, 
you know, and it happens in football, I'm sure, over the years, it's happened many, many times that referees, based on decisions they made previously in the game, they try and even things up. And possibly that is something that's gone through his mind. But it still doesn't really explain why the VAR weren't, that the, you know, the VAR referees weren't more insistent on saying to him, look, we think this might be an error. Why don't you come and have a look at it? Yeah, certainly a, a very controversial game. And of course, you know, Raphael with the history of Italian football and referees, um, you know, there's been talk after the game of Baez and it being a scandal and stuff. Did you think that Calvarese was biased, you know, towards Juventus in this game or was he simply incompetent and made bad decisions towards both sides? Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of Inter fans after the game saying that you know, they were lucky that they were going into the game already, already as champions because... You know, otherwise, what would have, what else would they would they have seen? But you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't say he was biased towards either one. Really, they, you know, there were terrible decisions all round. Um, I mean, I guess you know, given the result, those terrible decisions did slightly favour Juventus. But yeah, I, I think it's just it's another example where you know the referee has been taking centre stage in a lot of them. In a lot of Serie A games, and I feel like this is this happens in Italy more than any other any other league. Um, you know, generally speaking, it's it seems to be a cultural thing that fans look at who who the referee is going to be uh, before the game. You know, the clubs announce who the referee is going to be before their game, and there's all this sort of talk about you know a decision that the ref that specific referee might have made ten years ago. And you know, yeah. talking about how that's going to affect the game, it feels like that's that's that is a massive part of uh, you know of Serie A of, of Italian football culture. And really, it's you know, it's refereeing performances like that that are just going to keep perpetuating that. I mean, VAR, its introduction hasn't really done a lot of good for uh, for Serie A. He might have rectified a few decisions that you know that would have been borderline, but on the whole, it really hasn't. It has it's it's only exacerbated that culture in a way. So yeah, I, I mean I don't think there was any sort of you know willingness to to favour one team or or the other from Calvarese. It was just a terrible performance. And I think realistically we're gonna see a lot more in the you know in the years to come in Serie A unless there's some sort of reform in the way that in the way that referees sort of function in Italy. Yeah. Uh, Francesco, if you can sort of <clears throat> put those refereeing decisions to one side, um, did you they deserve to win this game? Like, did, did you see a positive performance from them overall? Or or was it simply that the match was too much affected by the referee and it was sort of hard to make out the flow of the game? I think... Um, I think it was pretty even. I don't think that any team out of the two of them was significantly better. Um, I think there's an argument to say that you maybe shaded it up until the sending off and up until Bentancur's sending off, but it was marginal if they did. Um, but having said that, it probably was a, a, an improvement on recent performances by Juve. They Inter came to play. They they were up for it. They, they wanted to win, I think. And Juve were able to to give them a game. It was competitive and uh, I wouldn't say that they deserved to win. I think, you know, the fairest result probably would have been a draw and, you know, it, it, like you say, it's hard to really make too much of it because of how the refereeing decisions condition the outcome. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to put a finger on it, but one thing's for sure, it was a huge result for Juventus and keeps them firmly in that top four race. Uh, we're going to move on to a side who secured their place in the top four for, for the third consecutive season. Atalanta will be playing Champions League football next year. Um, Raphael, they did it by beating Genoa 4-3. Uh, this was a Crazy game, actually. I thought at one stage Atalanta were going to do their usual score six or seven, but in the end, it ended up 4-3 and they were, you know, perhaps slightly hanging on towards the end, although Genoa didn't create any major chances after it went to 4-3. What what did you make of the whole game and, and how big an achievement is this for Atalanta to get Champions League football again? Yeah, I mean, it was a typical high-scoring performance from Atalanta. I think 
you know, these sort of defensive collapses aren't really out of the ordinary for them. Even if they have been, you know, winning by big margins recently, they've still got it in them to have a sort of defensive collapse. So I'm not surprised by that, by that second half performance. And yeah, I mean, it's a massive, it's, it's a massive achievement to qualify for the Champions League for the, the third season in a row now, you know, basically sort of establishing themselves as one of Italian football's big teams by now. You know, on the budget that they have, you know, given the infrastructure that they have as a, you know, as a team from outside one of the big cities as well. It's, you know, it's massive. Um, I think especially, yeah, especially in terms of, um, you know, what the city of Bergamo has been went through last year with them. I think they were the hardest hit city in Italy in terms of COVID. Um, you know, for the team to you know make the make the make the make the city proud, really, and keep going and keep keep giving some sort of you know source of happiness is is amazing. And I think in terms of you know the achievement of the team, I know I know they usually have you know this sort of slump uh, early season slump, and then they sort of race race through to the finish line in the second half of the season. But I think I feel like it was even more so this season because I think up until about February they were pretty much always out of the top four you know six or seven and you, you had that Papu Gomez situation you know the fallout with um, with Gasparini back in uh, back in December which obviously caused a bit of a stir and you know the it wasn't really sure that they would have that they were going to have their usual you know uptick in form but yeah, it's 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 amazing how they've they've managed to really kick up a gear and you know secure that that Champions League finish two two games two games to go. And I mean they're probably going to finish second at this point unless you know because I, I don't think Milan are gonna I think Milan are probably gonna gonna crumble under the pressure next week. So I can, I think Atalanta are going to finish second, which is going to be an improvement. I think it's going to be their, yeah it's going to be their best ever finish. So, you know, so the only way is up from here. Maybe they'll maybe maybe next next season they'll improve on that even again. Yeah, they do do seem to be uh, slowly working their way towards the top of the table. So next year perhaps could be their year. Uh, one thing I wanted to focus on from the weekend. Um, often when we talk about Atalanta, we talk about the likes of Muriel and Malinovsky, Ilicic in the past, and of course Papu Gomez in the past. Um, one thing this weekend, they lost the second half 3-1 with Remo Freuler going off at half-time. Francesco, do you think that central midfield partnership of Darun of and Freuler is really quite underrated and perhaps that had an effect on why they sort of, you know, fell apart a bit in the second half and nearly threw the game away? Yeah, I think um, it probably is a bit underrated. Um, even within Italy, but certainly outside of Italy, um, those two players have become one of the best kind of midfield partnerships in the league, I'd say. Uh, they're extremely consistent. Uh, I think Freuler is an absolutely fantastic player. Um and both of them have kind of come from, you know, they're not absolute stars. They're not, um, they're not flashy, uh, but they do such a good job. Um, and because Atalanta is such an offensive team, having those two really dynamic defensive midfielders there does kind of give them an anchor to build everything else around. So I think you're probably right, Sam, when you say that him going off probably destabilised the team a little bit. Um, I think... More generally, um, and certainly going into the cup final this week, um, they they've conceded uh, so five goals in the last two games at Atalanta. I, I generally I wouldn't say it's a concern because they're scoring so many, but going into that single game against Juve this this week is probably something uh, you know they want to tighten up because they're going to be facing Cristiano Ronaldo and another very good striker. So. Yeah, that's probably something that might be a slight concern going into the cup final on Wednesday. But yeah, generally very happy and very happy with what they're doing. They should be. And um, I agree with you that, that Freuler and Darun are, are extremely important for them. Yeah, the way they're able to sustain those attacks in the first half seem to 
come from the midfield and winning the ball back so well. And they couldn't do that in the second half. Um, but as you said, they've got top four and, and a cup final coming up as well. So ex exciting times for Atalanta. Um, but Raphael, you mentioned it there just briefly about how you worry for Milan possibly fumbling their top four opportunity. And they did that this weekend. Uh, that's for certain. If they'd have beaten Cagliari, they would have booked their place in the Champions League for the first time in seven years but only got a nil-nil draw. How do you explain them from going and scoring seven in Turin the previous week and, and three against Juventus as well, so 10 goals in Turin in two games, to then draw in a blank against Cagliari on Sunday? I think a big part of that is, you know, not just the Milan's mentality in itself, but also the teams they were facing. I mean, Torino are in a, a you know horrendous form recently and... It wasn't too much of a surprise to see them heavily beaten by Milan. And again, Cagliari, you know, they'd, um, I mean, they'd, they were officially up, like they officially stayed up early that afternoon. So I think they had, you know, massive weight off their shoulders as well. So, yeah, I think it does seem like Milan have, have had mentality issues, um, especially with, especially with the likes of, of Ibrahimovic out. You know, not he has been a sort of a spiritual leader in the team, and to have him out for the for the rest of the campaign seems to seems to have had an issue. Um, I think it, it was sort it was, I mean it was sort of the same uh, midway through the season he was he was out as well and they had the, they had a slump, which saw them go uh, well which saw them lose first place eventually. So yeah, it might be it might be a lack of a lack of leadership. It might also be you know, pl players who've yeah they've given their all throughout the season. These these aren't these aren't necessarily world class players. They've you know they've had an above average season, but maybe they are reverting to the mean. I mean Hernandez, for example, didn't have a, a very good game at all, even though he's had some fantastic performances throughout the season. You know, it's it's sort of reverting to the mean. So it it would be a shame if they did miss out because. Clearly, on the basis of this this entire campaign, they won. They they don't deserve to, you know, drop out of the Champions League entirely. Um, I mean, in general, it's going to be a very interesting, you know, an interesting final day because whoever does miss out on the Champions League, whoever ends ends up fifth, will have a very high points total for a for a fifth place. So it's it's going to be cruel for whoever misses out, and I, I have a sneaking feeling it's going to be Milan. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come on to predictions uh, for that final weekend uh, a little bit more later on. I uh, just want to touch on Calgary, though, Francesco. As as Raphael mentioned, they um, cemented their status in Serie A for another year this weekend. Um, you know, can they kick on from what they've been doing over the past month, moving into next season, or do you think they're going to be stuck in another relegation battle again next year? That they they seem to have been sort of you know. 13th, 14th and below for quite a few years now. So can they can they at all kick on next year or, or is it going to be the same again? I think that based on the players they have, they should be able to do better. The, you know, in terms of their individual qualities, this is a team that can be at least mid-table. I think we've been saying it all season. Um, but they have had a good finish to the season. Um I think the new manager, when he came in, he's made a difference. And I hope that they can kick on and, and certainly avoid being in this uh, in a relegation battle again. I think they can definitely finish kind of mid-table. Uh, I think pushing for kind of the European places is probably a little bit of a stretch unless they have, you know, unless something interesting happens in the transfer market. But, uh, but yeah, they could definitely kind of improve on this season's performance and finish in mid-table, I think. We'll be interested to see how they how they do pick up next season, uh, whether they can start the campaign a bit quicker. Um, moving on to another team that moved, uh, you know, gave themselves a good chance of getting into the top four for the end of the season, and that's Napoli. Uh, beat Fiorentina in this Sunday lunchtime game 2-0. Um, again, refereeing coming into uh, the equation again this time, a penalty given in the second half, which you know, broke the deadlock and Signe missed the penalty but scored the rebound. Raphael, was it a penalty for you? It wasn't. I think it was very, very harsh. But I, it's interesting because 
before the game, a lot of um, a lot of Inter fans were saying, you know, you know, look look what they did to us with the refereeing decisions to to get Juve into the top four. You know, Napoli better watch out because they're going to get a lot of decisions against them, against them. As it were, it was it was for them. So that was interesting to see how the narrative sort of uh, sort of turned out. But yeah, I don't think it was a it was a penalty. But at the same time, I do think. It does. It does seem like Napoli were, you know, deserved the win in any way. And it's great. I mean, it's great to see the job that Gattuso has done with the team to get them to be playing this sort of very attacking football, while at the same time being very, very solidly defensive. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to finish. They're, they're going to probably finish in the top four by um, you know, by next week. I think. Gattuso is leaving the club in very, you know, very in a very good position compared to how much. Well, the state it was in when he uh, when he arrived, with the player mutiny, and um, I think they were mid-table at that point. So, I think, I mean, he's going to go. I think he's going to go to Fiorentina probably next uh, next year. It'll be interesting to see what he does with uh, with that team. You know, he's clearly he's he's yeah, he, clearly he's he's sort of. His thing is to uh, sort of reinvigorate a team, light the fire in, in that team again. So, will he? You know, will he bring Fiorentina up to up to European spot? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, we'll we'll be interested to see what happens with Gattuso and his future. Uh, Francesco, I want to have your say on this as well. Uh, Fiorentina did, uh, sorry, Napoli did go on to win the game two 0 So the penalty decision wasn't the be all and end all in this game. Um, it was it was perhaps a bit similar to the Chiellini Damian one, where you know grabbing a player's shirt, although he did seem to let go of the shirt as the ball was going past. But does that? make an impact or, or is it simply he did have a hold of his shirt so he ran the risk? Yeah, I mean, I, I disagree with Rafael on this one. I I think it was a penalty based on on the penalties that we've seen given this year. I think players know that they can't hold on to each other's shirts and they know that once, you know, that, that with VAR it's always going to be given. I think once the VAR sees that you've grabbed someone's shirt, if you're even close to the ball and moving towards it and, and you can see that shirt extend, then they're going to give a penalty. So I think it probably uh, because of the precedence that we've seen, it is a penalty. Um, I think I, I'd also like to say, hey, I think one of the stupidest things in, in Italian football <laughs> this season is going to be how Gattuso ends up leaving Napoli at the end of the year. Because it's it's not for any good reason. It's because him and uh, De Laurentiis have had a bit of a falling out, and they're both too stubborn to just say, "Look, why don't we just forget this and kick on?" Because for me, Napoli are in an excellent situation going into next season because they don't have the same same sort of financial worries that some of the other clubs in Serie A have, and some of the other bigger teams in Europe have. They're in a good state financially. I think their squad is excellent. They've got a really good squad. And there's no reason, you know, you can clearly see how the players really like Gattuso, they like his ideas, they follow what he's saying, he's got them playing well. It, uh, he's going to go to a club that's in a worse situation, even if he goes to Fiorentina or a decent club, he's going to, you know, Fiorentina aren't as good as Napoli, certainly not right now. He's going to leave a club that's going to be, you know, I think possibly going into Champions League. I think Rafael's probably right, they're the favourites to go into the Champions League and he's going to leave that to go to Fiorentina. And De La Rentes is going to ha- let this happen. And there's no good reason for that to happen. I mean, it's just, they're both cutting off their nose to spot their face. It's, it's really stupid. And it is a shame that it's going to go down that way. Yeah, Napoli do seem to have got up ahead of steam in the last couple of months in particular. So it is it is a shame that that seems to be the direction that the side is, is heading. But... There we go, headed into the final weekend. We've got Milan, Juventus and Napoli. Two of those three will make the Champions League. One will miss out. But another team that's now guaranteed to miss out, who, who've been in the top four race all season, Lazio. Uh, they lost the Rome derby this weekend to Roma uh, 2-0. Um, Raphael, what did, what did you make of this game? Roma quite deserving winners, I thought. Um, and what's gone wrong for Lazio over the last week or so, you know? Two defeats against Fiorentina and Roma, only just scraping past bottom club Parma. Have they just run out of steam this last week for you? It looks like they have, yeah. I think, you know, full credit to Roma. They 
really did deserve the win. And it's, it's great to see that Fonseca is so invested in the in the team still, despite the fact that he's lost favour with a lot of players and he is on his way out. So I think he's he's definitely, you know, he's leaving the club with his head held high. And he's not done his reputation too much harm in the way he sort of acted. But yeah, I think Lazio are yeah, they have they have run out of steam. They've not they've I mean they've had a difficult season anyway, you know, they've they've had to make a lot of changes throughout the season because of well, because they were hit by COVID for the uh, in the first half of the season. They've had They've had they've had injury issues. I mean, they had to they had to start with uh, Murray Chish at the weekend, who clearly hasn't hasn't you know delivered on this price tag, yeah, to say the least. But yeah, it's I think it's it, it's a shame. But at the same time, you know, their their chances of making the top four were already quite slim, and given the adversity that they have faced this season. I don't. I don't think that it's there. You know, they won't have too much to complain about. And I think this is the best that they could have. Uh, they could have hoped for. I think. I think you know the this Lazio team and its core, and you know what in terms of what Inzaghi can do with it, all of that I think peaked last season. And you know, I they haven't been able to find that spark again this season. But that's that has been due to a lot of you know a lot of mitigating circumstances. And realistically, if if Inzaghi does leave at the end of the season, which does look kind of likely as well, then he will be leaving them in a good, in a relatively good position. And if they can keep hold of that spine, that the, that's you know that's really delivered for them, then they they'll they'll definitely finish at least um, you know at least in a Europa League spot again next season. But it will depend on on on, on this summer's business, but. In terms of the actual game, I think it's it has been a lack of rotation as well for Lazio, and you know it, this was a problem that we pointed out last season as well that we sort of manifested itself uh, after lockdown when you know there were three games a week and they just couldn't handle it and they lost they lost their grip on the title race, and that has sort of been the case this season as well. It's been a it's been a COVID year really and. Players have had to give a lot more in terms of effort than than in other seasons in terms of in terms of physical output, really, and that has shown itself with uh, with Lazio's performance. It, it's not it's not necessarily been a bad season for them, but they've you know they've done as well as they could. And you said, um, Francesco, I'm going to come to come to you now with uh, with Inzaghi. Uh, Raphael said he thinks maybe he will leave at the end of the season. Um, we understand he had a contract extension uh, offered to him about three and a half weeks ago. It seemed at that point that it was a formality that he would stay with, with Lazio firmly in the top four race at that point. But given how things have turned out the last week or so, do, do you think he'll leave this summer or, or do you think he'll stay on? Yeah, the, the thing with Inzaghi is that he's obviously got an affinity and a, and a fondness for Lazio because it's where he had his best playing days. Um, he's obviously done a great job with them as a manager. Uh, I think he gets on well with Lotito. Uh, the issue for him, I think, is the fact that uh, Rafael's right. This is kind of where where they should be. If you look at the teams that are going to finish above them, I'd say that they've all got much stronger squads. I think Inzaghi's done a pretty good job just to make this kind of top four race tight. Um, and the same in Europe. I mean, I, I think he's already maxed out just getting into the Champions League and getting out of the group stage. That's already a great achievement if you consider the strength of the Lazio squad. And the way Lotito does business, it's difficult to think that he's going to invest significantly and, and get this squad to a place where Nzaghi can actually kick on and, and try to qualify for the Champions League consistently. Um, to me, it feels like last season was a bit of a miracle season for them just getting in. And it feels like every season Inzaghi has to you know, perform a miracle to get them back into the Champions League. And that makes you think, what is, you know, how is he going to stay stimulated to just carry on doing what he's doing, which is getting into the Europa League? Is that enough? And considering how high his stock is at the moment, because I think it is pretty high, he's been consistently managing well for two or three seasons. I think a couple of years ago, he was linked to Juve. If a, if a bigger job comes along, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, if he does take it. 
Um, I think whether he stays or not might depend on if if that offer comes along. I think if if no one needs a manager, uh, no bigger club needs a manager and doesn't come in for him, then he probably will stay. But if if one of the bigger sides do look at him and and make an offer, then yeah, I think there's a very good chance he'll move on. Indeed, we'll be, we'll be interested to follow that over the summer. Um, looking at Roma, they obviously won this game and Dzeko uh, was excellent on the night, I thought. Uh, set up the first goal uh, really well for Mkhitaryan. Um, at the end, he got a, he got an ovation from the players as he went off. It looks like this might be his final game at the Olimpico, Raphael. If it is, how does he deserve to be remembered for his six years at Roma? Well, definitely fondly. I think um, you know there was there was that sort of fallout with Fonseca midway through the season, which I think it was a case of you know either Jekyll or Fonseca being kept, and it looks like I mean it looks like Jekyll Jekyll won that one, but I mean generally if you look at the the whole six years, then yeah, he deserves to be you know deserves to be sort of remembered as the player that has sort of kept Roma floating alone, you know, in a lot of these seasons, you know, having a having a top class striker like Jekko in a team where things have been a bit turbulent, things have been a bit, you know, yeah, not not so not so good. Um it has done them a lot of uh, a lot of good. The fact that they have had this consistent goal scorer, this sort of figure of leadership in a way, sort of leading the attack has sort of yeah, it's 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 been massive for them, and uh, it's a shame to see him leave, which you know, it looks like it's going to be the case. And um, I think I've seen rumours of uh, rumours of Bellotti potentially uh, potentially joining, which would be a, a great replacement. So um, I certainly wouldn't I certainly wouldn't say um, that Mayoral would take his a uh, take his starting position, unlike what a few people would say. But um, yeah, I think I think Bellotti will be a, will be an ideal replacement for uh, for Jekko. Yeah, I think whoever picks up Bellotti is going to be very lucky this this summer. And so we we cleared up all the uh, sort of top four. Uh, action uh, and so moving down to the other end of the table we had uh, a couple of teams moving away from the relegation battle this weekend and one of those was Spezia um, managing to pick up a 4-1 win over Torino Francesco how big an achievement is this for Spezia to, to manage to stay in Syria for a second year and you know c- can they push on from this can they can they stay up again next year or uh, do you see them perhaps it just being a one-year amazing thing, and then next year they struggle and, and go down. Um, I think it's a great achievement, and I think there is a chance that they can repeat it or even better it next season. I think I know that Rafael said earlier in the season about how uh, how important managers can be for the kind of mid to lower uh, teams in the league, and I think Italiano is the kind of manager who could have could kind of start a a cycle for this team because they've not just come up and stayed up. They've kind of approached it the right way. They play pretty expansive football. um, And there's no reason to believe that they couldn't repeat what they've done this season. Um, They've had some really excellent performances. I I think the final win against Milan probably stands out for me as their best performance of the season. And uh, it's not a fluke. It's because of the way they do things. So I think there's definitely potential for them to kick on next season especially if they can keep hold of the manager. I know that he's, you know, he's done such a good job that there might be a few clubs that are interested in him. But if he, if Italiano stays and they, and they uh, try and do the same thing next year, then I definitely think they can kick on. Yeah, I think I've seen Sassuolo possibly linked with Italiano now that De Serbi uh, is off to Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, but yeah, certainly an excellent um season for them and I was really impressed with them this weekend the way they took the game to Torino um, and and ended up comprehensive winners Uh, on the other hand Raphael Torino have had an absolute shocker of a week haven't they 7-0 loss at home to Milan 4-1 defeat here they still need a point to stay up Um, do you see them getting it or are you really worried for them heading into they've got two games left of course they play Lazio on Tuesday in, in the rearranged game so what are your thoughts on Torino? Are you quite concerned for them? Yeah, I don't know what's happened because they seem to they seem to get back into some sort of a 
some semblance of form towards the end of the season, then now it's all all collapsed again. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to they're going to beat Lazio on, uh, on. I mean, it's tomorrow. Even if you know, even if Lazio don't really have much to play for anymore, I can't see them. You know, I can't see them getting any, a point against uh, against uh, Lazio. So it looks like next week's um, next week's Torino Benevento is going to be sort of a direct playoff to stay up. And even though Benevento have been awful as well, I mean anything could happen on a on a one-off game. And you know the fact that Benevento only need only need to win to uh, to take it because I think they've got they've got a worse goal difference. But on head-to-head, a win would uh, would take them above above Benevento. So. Yeah, I'm quite I'm quite worried for them because they seem to have sort of lost their heads, and yeah, I mean the fact that the fact the fact that they're going to lose tomorrow is, is a given, I'd say. So it really is going to come down to the final day, and it's going to be a case of who who has the most mental strength. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's Torino. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the the one factor in Torino's favour is that Lazio don't have much to play for, and and will have to pick themselves up after that Rome derby defeat. But if they do lose, as you say, it, it comes down to a final day showdown, which should be exciting. I, I believe the game earlier in the season between Benevento and Torino ended two all. So uh, in terms of head to head, a win for Benevento, as you say, would be good enough. Um, but we're going to move on to Benevento now, and they. Well, they blew it this weekend, didn't they, Francesco? Uh, 1-0 up against Crotone, took an early lead. Crotone went down to 10 men after 24 minutes. And they conceded in injury time, drew drew 1-0. And they remained three points behind Torino um, going into this final week of the season. Do do you think that's their chance gone? or, Or are you like Raphael and think that it will come down to that final day? Um. Amazingly, I don't think it's their chance gone. I mean, after what happened against Cortona, you'd probably say they deserve to go down. I think once you could, you know, you're you're ahead, and then you've got a, an extra player, and you still don't manage to close it out. Um, it's pretty poor, and they've been they've had a terrible second half of the season. But um, I agree with Raphael. I think the, the problem for Benevento is they've given this them not uh, not winning yesterday means that Torino have got a chance to. To close it out against Lazio, uh, just a draw against Lazio would be enough for them, and I think that is a possibility. But if it does go down to the last day, then I think Benevento have got a good chance. I mean, at that point, Torino will will be sweating definitely, and in a one-off game, like Rafael says, Benevento over the course of the season they have pulled out some good performances, um, and it wouldn't be that's uh, as well because they'd have to win. I think they'd have to approach the game in a, in a certain way. Um, and so, yeah, it would make it interesting. And, and I think they have got a chance of staying up. Uh, I think the problem for them is that Torino could end it tomorrow uh, just by picking up a point against Lazio. Yeah, I think all, all eyes will be glued to uh, Stadio Olimpico tomorrow to see if it does uh, get taken to the final day. Um, just looking at Crotone, though, briefly, and Raphael, I know we've mentioned this guy a few times already this season, but Simi scoring 20 goals uh, for a team relegated. I think he's only the fourth player to do that. And two of those players have actually scored 20 goals for a team that have done fine in the league, but been relegated for other reasons, not because of their points. So it's it's quite an achievement. Um, and Crotone, of course, are now off the bottom of the table. So how will they reflect on this season? Are, are, are there some positives they can take or is it ultimately they've been relegated? So it's So it's quite a negative campaign. I mean, it is positive in the sense that they have had mainly three players that have stood out and really showed that they are, you know, the Serie A quality. So that's, I would say, Simi, Junior, Macias and Adam Unas. The issue for Crotone is that they're going to lose all three over the summer. Which, you know, when you look at the rest of their squad, it is solidly Serie B uh, quality. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so confident for them you know, going into next season, whether they can sort of bounce back up, they can definitely be proud of what they've achieved this season. I think they they have sort of captured the hearts of a lot of uh, a lot of neutrals, and it, it, you know, it, it's in general, it's great to have a team from Calabria just for just for the variation. So, 
Yeah, but the harsh reality is that Simi is going to leave. Junior Macias is very likely going to leave, and Adam Unas is going to go back to Napoli. So they're going to have to stop, you know, start building from uh, from the ground up. And I, don't, I mean, I don't know what their what their long term plan is going to be with regards to that. But it's going to have to be, you know, looking at it from a completely new angle. Well, I mean, the concern is they're going to have to rebuild their attack. And I think we've seen this season their defence needs a bit of a rebuild as well, because I think they've conceded something like 90, is it 92 or 93 goals, something like that? The most ever in Serie A. Yeah. yeah, so absolutely crazy numbers. I think we thought Lecce were quite bad at defending last year, but they look like a, a Mourinho outfit at its peak compared to Crotone. Um OK, we'll move on to Sassuolo Palmer, and Palmer have now gone bottom of the table. Sassuolo won this 3-1. Um, and there were there are a couple of cracking goals in this, actually, Francesco. Um, I know we've said you've said in the past you're not a massive fan of volleys necessarily, but Bruno Alves's volley was pretty spectacular. Where, where does that rank in terms of sort of goals of the month or goals of the season in Syria? Um I think it's up there. I think it's probably above the Verde overhead kick. So really, uh, okay, yeah, I think so. Um, but I still don't know. I still, like you say, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of this kind. Of, the huge fan of this kind of goal. Um, generally, though, Sassuolo, this is a this is a good result for them, and they're still in with a chance going into the final game of the season. Um, it's whether whether Roma. Uh, don't win. Um, so it should be interesting. And they, they've had a good season and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens next season with them if Deserbi doesn't hang around. Um, whether they, uh, like, you know, I think Italian would be a good, uh, a good replacement, but um, hopefully they'll be able to continue this momentum and stay, you know, stay as a, as a team that's able to kind of fight for the European places. Yeah, that, uh, it seems De Serbi, that I think he announced yesterday that he that he's going to be off. So, so yeah, it looks like his final game coming up this weekend. Uh, what about you, Raphael? Are you um, are you a little bit higher on Bruno Alves's goal? I mean, the way it just sort of soared into the top corner was pretty spectacular. Um, where, where does that rank in terms of goals for you this season? I'd say, yeah, I'd say it ranks probably over Verdi. I wouldn't say it's the absolute best goal of the season, though. For me, my personal choice would be Musa Barrow's, you know, lob from halfway line against uh, against uh, Spezia earlier this season. I mean, that's, that's been a very underrated goal this season compared to uh, compared to some of the more spectacular overhead kicks. That'd be my choice. But yeah, Bruno Alves, obviously, you know, a stunner. Yeah, and and just looking ahead. Um... Sorry, just, just the final game that we're going to cover, because um, we're recording this on Monday uh, early evening, so the Bologna-Verona game is still to come. Uh, we're going to have to miss that one out this week, unfortunately. But Sampdoria managed to pick up a, a tight 1-0 win against Udinese. Uh, Fabio Quagliarella, another guy well into his 30s, like Bruno Alves, managed to score his 12th goal of the season, this time from the penalty spot. Francesco, uh, Quagliarella turned 38 in January. How much longer can he keep, you know, producing these impressive numbers for, for Sampdoria? Can he, can he play into his 40s, maybe? What do you think? Um, I think there's a chance he could. Uh, for a team like Samp, who are, who are a mid-table side, having a striker who can pick up 12 goals a season and is, is pretty good going. And because of the way Quagliarella plays, you know, he's not really reliant on his pace or his athletic ability to, to score these goals, I think there is a chance that he could uh, be effective, you know, for another couple of seasons, certainly next season. I imagine he'll, he'll be as, uh, as good as he is this season and, and we'll just have to see how it goes. But yeah, why not? Yeah, I think uh, Sampdoria doing an excellent job. I think they uh, pretty much secured ninth place now. Uh, so it looks like a good season for their man Ranieri. Um Looking ahead then, what a week it's going to be coming up. And we start, of course, uh, with the Coppa Italia on Wednesday. Um, Atalanta against Juventus. Raphael, uh, I want to get a prediction from you. How do you see this game playing out? I want Atalanta to win, but something tells me that Juventus are going to do the job. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be heartbreak for everyone, but I'm going to go with 3-1 Juventus. 
Okay. Well, we saw, of course, in England this weekend, the underdog does come out on top sometimes. In fact, it was quite heartwarming, actually, to see Atalanta qualify for the Champions League and then Leicester to win the FA Cup all in the space for about four or five hours. Uh, Francesco, how do you see things? Going the same way as, as Raphael predicts, or are you tipping the underdog Atalanta to get the job done? Um, I think I am tipping Atalanta to win. Um, I think the, the, the thing that Juve can look to is the fact that they have been solid defensively this season. And, um, you know, they have got strikers that can pinch goals. So if they manage to keep it tight, I think they've got a chance. But if you look at the last kind of month, including this, this weekend's games, uh, Atalanta have been the better side and they've just got so many ways of scoring goals. I think it is going to be difficult for Juve to stop them scoring. So, yeah, I think Atalanta have got a chance. I, th- I think I'm going to go for 3-1 Atalanta. So we're going goals either way in this one. Um, of course, Atalanta made the final a couple of years ago. I don't think they quite did themselves justice in that final against Lazio. So we'll see if they've learned from that. Um, and then we head into the final weekend. So first of all, the top four race. Um, just for anyone not aware, we've got uh, Milan travelling to Bergamo to play Atalanta. Uh, come to you first, Raphael. How do you see this playing out? Um, you know, Atalanta already secured top four, but as you said earlier, this is their chance to get second, which would be their best ever Serie A finish. So, so what, what are your thoughts on this game? I, I don't think Milan have it in them to win. I think it's going to be the draw on Atalanta win. Um, like especially if Atalanta lose the final, then they'll want to they'll want to bounce back. On the, on the weekend, so yeah. Unfortunately, I think I think Milan are gonna you know gonna miss out entirely. They're gonna finish fifth. And how about you, Francesco? Do you see Milan rescuing themselves at the at the death? Yeah, I'm I'm with Raphael. I think I think if this was if this had game had something riding on it for Atalanta, then I think it would be it'd be very unlikely that Milan win um, at the weekend. But the fact that they're playing the Italian Cup final on Wednesday, you know, if they were to win that match and maybe have a couple of days celebrating uh, and then not prepare as well as they might have for the for the final game, they, they already qualified for Europe. You know, I feel like that's kind of Milan's best hope that Atalanta, for whatever reason, aren't at their best. But I think if Atalanta turn up, then, then it's going to be difficult for Milan. And... There is something to play for for Atalanta in that if they finish second, that will be their best finish in the in the history in their history. So, yeah, I think it's really difficult for Milan to go there and win, and I think they're probably going to have to rely on Napoli or Juve to to slip up. Yeah, I think if Atalanta do win that cup final, I think the streets of Bergamo are going to be packed out, and as you say. Uh, there might be might be a few celebrations there, so that could be Milan's best hope. Um, then we'll move on to Napoli. They host Verona on the final day. Um, we've seen Napoli slip up in these kinds of games against mid-table and bottom-half teams, Raphael. They lost the reverse fixture 3-1 early in the season, but do you expect them to, to get the job done this time? I, th- I think they will, yeah. I think Gattuso's instilled a sort of... Um mentality in these last few weeks that seems to have got them over the finish line and seems to have you know spurred them on and I think I'll carry on into the final day so I, I can see I think they get I think they'll win comfortably and they'll uh, not quite, they'll be not finish third place there we go and uh Francesco I'll come to you for the uh Juventus game they're away at Bologna on the final day um again a bit like Napoli these are the games that they've sort of struggled in I think the general consensus is that Juventus are there for if Milan or Napoli do slip up and they will win their game but can you see a scenario where perhaps one of Milan or Napoli slip up but Juventus do as well um I suppose that's possible, but I think of the, of the three games, I think Juve's is the easiest, and I do expect them to win. Um, I think, you know, I, we've, we've just been saying that we expect Atalanta to beat Milan. I think Milan's best hope is probably of a Napoli slip-up. I know that Napoli have been playing really well recently, but Verona are the kind of team that can be difficult to break down. So, uh, you know, if, it, if it's a tight game and 
kind of get to halftime without any goals, I can see Napoli kind of choking a little bit. Uh, I think that is that is a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think I, I agree with Rafael. I think Napoli are going to win, and I think I think Juve will will win. And I'm not at all sure that Milan will. So it, you know, my prediction would probably be that it would be Napoli and Juve who get the the final two spots. Yeah, of course. The other thing to consider with that Verona game is uh, Ivan Juric very disappointed after Verona lost to Crotone last week, and I think there's been a little bit of speculation that he might not be at Verona next year. So perhaps that could be his final game in charge and he wants to go out of a bang. So we'll have to see about that. And then at the other end of the table, uh, it's between Benevento and Torino. So Raphael, how do you see this final week playing out? First of all, do you see it going to the final day? And second of all, if it does, who's going down? Yeah, I don't think Torino are going to be Lazio or even get a draw against them. I think Lazio will have some sort of something to prove after the uh, after the derby defeat, and they'll probably get a comfortable win. And then on the final day, I think, um, well, I think Torino have had, um, I think, in sort of the second half of the season, they've been able to sort of scrape through these uh, these last minute results. But clearly, mentality-wise, it's sort of collapsed uh, recently. So. Yeah, I think I think Benevento can do it. It's going to be dramatic, but I, I think Benevento can do it. I think it's fair to say the pressure's on Torino. I mean, obviously, Benevento, a newly promoted side, Torino firmly established in Syria. How about you, Francesco? Do you see Torino just about getting out of it? You, you were suggesting you maybe think they'll get a point against Lazio and it doesn't even go to the final day. Is, is that what you, what you think? Or, or do you think it will go to the final day? And, and, then, and then who do you see going down? Yeah, I really hope it goes to the final day. I think it would be a, a fitting end to an exciting season. Um, and I think if it does go to the final day, then then yeah, I do fancy Benevento a little bit. I think they're the kind of team that could pull out a result. I think Torino will be really nervous at that point if that was the scenario. I just have a feeling that Torino might put a, a decent-ish performance in against Lazio enough to get a point, maybe make themselves difficult to break down and so it doesn't go to the final day. So... Obviously, if they're able to do that, they'll be safe. But if it does go to the final day, then yeah, I think Benamento definitely got a good chance. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how the Tuesday game goes out, actually. What Lazio's attitude is, what sort of team Inzaghi puts out. Does he give his squad a bit more of a run out? Because obviously, you know, the game doesn't really matter to Lazio so much. So does I suppose... he give... Because his because his brother manages uh, Benevento, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he might be on the phone. Might, might be, be on the phone. Yeah. yeah, get get your get your strongest side out. Of course, the Cherby's suspended, uh, having been sent off on the weekend. So, don't know what backline Lazio are going to put together. Does Patrick get another run out? I think Lazio fans will be hiding behind the sofa if he does. I mean, so. if Patrick gets a run out, then I I imagine that Inzaghi's mum and dad will never speak to him again. Yeah, that would be that would be worrying if it comes to that. Maybe just bring Lazzari back into central defence as well. Lazzari and Marisic alongside Radu got like a thirty-five-year-old and two wing-backs at centre back. That'd be a fun to watch. But we'll see. It's going to be a great final week, and we'll have plenty to discuss next week. Thanks everyone for listening in, and we'll catch you next week. All right, bye bye.